whatever you might be using. We're turning together to Luke chapter 6, um, at, beginning at verse 17. So somebody who has one of the green Bibles and knows what page number that's on, could you, page 99, 49, sorry, second set of page numbers, page 49. So we've been spending time in Luke, and we're going to continue to spend time in Luke. And today we're beginning again uh, a two-parter. So this week and next week are all based on one teaching moment that Jesus has. So as we open God's word, let's just have a moment of prayer together. Lord Jesus, we know that your words in this sermon that we read today uh, and the sermon that I deliver today are the continuation of your calling of your people and your disciples. And so as we hear these words, Holy Spirit, we pray that you put them to good work in our transformation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So verse 17 of Luke chapter 6. He, that is Jesus, came down with them, his disciples, the twelve that he now calls his apostles, and he stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all in the crowd were trying to touch him, for power came out from him and healed all of them. Then he looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven, for that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. This is the word of the Lord. And this is a pause in the sermon that Jesus gave so we could talk, because there's plenty in there to talk about, isn't there? In fact, we have spent a couple of weeks wishing we knew what Jesus had said in these moments, right? Remember when he's in the synagogue from three or four weeks ago, and we didn't actually hear what he preached about the the scroll piece that he read from the book of Isaiah. We just heard the dialogue he had with the people who were gathered there. And that was, and then... Uh, Pastor Kelly preached last week about the call of the disciples and how Jesus got into the boat and then he preached and taught some more and then told them to put down their nuts again. And, but didn't tell us what 
the, the scripture t- doesn't tell us what Jesus taught in those moments. And now we're here. We hear what Jesus preaches to the people who have decided to follow him. In fact, this sermon follows very closely as part of this section where we get to see about how people respond to Jesus, about how they respond to his way of revealing who he is. In chapters 5 and 6, we see different ways that people respond to Jesus as the healer, different ways that that people respond to Jesus, the rule breaker, different ways that people respond to Jesus, the one who calls people to come and follow him. And now here in this Sermon on the Plain, we hear what Jesus' response is to the people who have decided to respond to his calling. And not just to his disciples, but specifically thinking about the fact that he has labeled 12 of them as set apart even from this large group of people who call themselves disciples of Jesus, the apostles, the 12 disciples that we refer to as the disciples, are actually these people who God says, because Jesus is God, you will be my messengers. That's what it means to be an apostle, to be a messenger, to be a delegate, to be an envoy. And so they all come down after being told that they are special in this way. And they see this crowd and Jesus does some healings. And then the text says very specifically, that Jesus looks at his disciples and says, blessed and woe. And not woe in the like woe sense, but woe to you. Blessing and curse returns to God's chosen called people. This is the same sort of thing that Yahweh did with Abraham. Blessings and curses are part of this life of following after God. And so all of these people who are listening, they're hearing something that speaks to them, that stirs up in their soul either comfort or curiosity or concern. But this word truly is meant for his disciples. This word of blessing and woe is a picture of what it means to be in the kingdom of God. These words of blessing and woe are our understanding of what it means when we have said yes to following Jesus, to being apostles of his kingdom. Because with most callings in Scripture, we see that when God calls, he calls his people into a time of preparation. This was true of Jesus himself, who spent 40 days in the wilderness preparing for his ministry. For Paul, who spent 
anywhere between three and 14 years in the desert before engaging in that ministry that we know so well in the pages of Scripture. Over and over again, this calling comes with these words of preparation, and these blessings and these woes are words of preparation for us today. So blessed are you, Jesus says, who are able to receive the things you need. Who are able to give so that others might receive. And woe to you who think this world is all about independently getting it for yourself. Look at the contrasts in these pictures of what kingdom values and kingdom life with God is about. That the blessing is on the poor, not the rich. Because the poor are those who understand kingdom economics. The poor are those who are willing to receive from God what they need to survive. Whereas the rich have put their hope and their trust and their comfort and how they feel like they're doing in this world based on what the number on their bank account is or the possessions in their home. And those are all things that you can work really hard to get, aren't they? And maintain. And to have a false sense of confidence about And those who are hungry have the opportunity to have their hunger filled. But those who are full now, who have sought to satiate every desire that they feel in their flesh, will only find... that there's only more to seek. Never fully satisfied. And those who are able to weep now, who are able to truly tell the truth about what they feel and what they mourn and what fills them with sorrow, are the ones who will actually be healed and comforted so that they might be brought to a place of experiencing all that life has, the laughter and the joy. For we are people who do not mourn without hope in the kingdom of God. But those who do not want to feel bad, those who try to avoid any sense of sadness and sorrow and mourning, are trapped, are trapped by what they cannot tell the truth about. And those who are cast out because they have chosen to follow in the way of Jesus. Those who find that the values that they live their life by, that the values that they follow and hold, the value of leaning and clinging and being faithful to someone besides ourselves. Jesus says, your reward is great in heaven. 
Because when people tell the truth, the world doesn't like it. When we tell the truth about our hope and our faith, it's uncomfortable because it's outside of our control. It reminds us of how much lack of control we actually have in this world. And anytime we, we tell the truth, those who want to live by something else other than the truth, challenge it, reject it, chastise it, rebuke it, try to kick it out, defame it, all of those things. But if your goal is to belong, to flatter as the false prophets flatter so that you can find a place of power and prestige and comfort and reliability in this world, then you are not following the one who allowed himself to be executed for his people's sake. These are the values of the kingdom of God. Where the rich find loyalty to their stuff, like the rich young ruler did, or the rich man and Lazarus. Do you remember that parable? Where those who are full now have satisfied every desire, like the prodigal son. Where those who are laughing now because they marvel at what they have accomplished without considering whose cost their accomplishments have come. Like Nebuchadnezzar standing and gloating over his kingdom. When you find too much belonging outside of the kingdom of God, it is because you have done nothing to challenge the status quo of this world with the good news of freedom in Jesus Christ. But to be in the kingdom, to be poor in the sense of not having the foolish self-confidence of what our belongings and our money can get us, but to understand kingdom economics as a place of sharing, an activity that we participate in every week through the offering. To be hungry. To know that we will have needs, desires, that may not be met. That we must seek to have filled by Christ himself, Christ in us. To weep as those with hope so that we might also know the joy of faith and trust in Christ. As Paul taught in this letter to the Thessalonians. By the way, Paul taught about that suffering thing in his letter to Corinth. Remember Kelly's ordination sermon? To be an outcast for Christ's sake, which is to be close to him. I think of that story of Mary as she poured perfume 
on Jesus' feet, that costly, costly perfume. And she, saw, she received rebuke from his disciples for the way she wasted that resource. But Jesus says, she has done something beautiful for me. To be an outcast in alignment with our Savior. This is the calling and the picture of what being a disciple of Jesus looks like. And we sit in a pretty privileged space. Because compared to most of the world, we are rich. Compared to many, we are full. Able to pursue many of our desires and our dreams. Our lives are full of many opportunities to laugh and to be happy. We are safe to worship. We are safe to be citizens protected by our government. So we are not outcasts. And yet if we let ourselves uh, go too big... We miss the opportunities for our life now to understand what this call of discipleship means. Because yes, there are ways that we continue to seek to bring justice to the poor around the world, to alleviate the mourning of those who suffer at the hands of unrighteousness, to, to stand in solidarity with those who have been cast out because of their faith in Jesus. We do all of those things. But to be a disciple of Jesus, remember what Dallas Willard says, is to understand and do what Jesus would do if Jesus were living your life right now with your personality, your job, your strengths, all of you. So what are the temptations for you in this woe list? Is it the riches that we can depend upon? Is, that, is it that one habit that we are just so hungry for that it controls us? Is it the hard thing in our story, in our life, that we don't want to work through and would rather find reasons to laugh and pretend it's not real? Are we comfortable with where our faith is right now. So much so that, in fact, we don't actually learn more of what Jesus would have this world look like, and therefore, we don't really pose any threat to the powers that work against the way of God in this place. They're all there. I think, I think almost every year when I get my text donation charitable receipt number. Boy, if I saved all that money, I'd have a lot bigger bank account, wouldn't I? Or when I think about whether or not my desire to have a family, that hunger that I have for a life partner about how that might not be met, am I willing to let that be okay? Because of the calling that I have in Jesus Christ? And not just as a minister, but as a person who follows after Jesus. 
or my life and my faith are pretty good right now, but what about that one area of my life and that one relationship with the family member that if I thought a lot about it or started talking to my therapist about it, I'd just weep. And I'd rather find something to laugh about. And there are times where I specifically don't tell people that I'm a minister so that I might be able to fit in for at least one night. The temptations are all there for us, but if Jesus were living my life as me, what would look different for the kingdom of God? Sometimes the word blessing is translated as happy. But another way that that word can be translated is privileged. Privileged are the poor. Privileged are the hungry. Privileged are those who weep. Privileged are those who are cast out on account of the Son of Man who is Jesus Christ. Privileged because all of those people will have an experience of Christ that those of us trying to live and make do and provide and be on our own will not. Do you believe this to be true? Jesus isn't telling us to seek out and to be poor, to be hungry, to weep, or to cast out. He's telling us that these are things that we will experience in this world. And understanding ourselves to be people of the kingdom will help us to understand how he is at work in them. So let's just sit for a moment. We could describe these things, these, this idea of being rich or having our fill, of laughing instead of weeping, of finding too much belonging and too much way to belong as crowns that we wear that make us feel like it's going to be all right, that we are in control, that we can do this, that we do have influence and prestige, that we do belong to some special people. And yet these are the crowns that Jesus says we have to lay down so that we might be disciples and citizens of his kingdom. So I'll just give you a minute to think in silence with the Holy Spirit about what you want to bring to him in prayer.
So, Lord, we know that this road, this journey, this way, as your first followers were on, is one that you walk alongside and lead us on. And so we know that even though there are things in our lives that continue to not belong to the kingdom of God, but to the kingdom of this world, we know that you, Holy Spirit, are here to show us the Christ way. And that you, Holy Spirit, are here to give us insight and wisdom into what God, our creator, truly desires to see As we continue to be in the already and not yet of your future perfection for this world. Where there will be no hunger. Where there will be no more tears or crying. Where all of the desires and hungers that are truly necessary will be met. And all of the desires and hungers that are not necessary for life will no longer be a temptation. Where it won't be a matter of being cast out because we belong, but we will all belong because of you. Even though we yearn for that day, there are parts of us that do not yearn for that day because of the way we live our lives now. And so, Jesus... As we sing this song of confession, as we lay our crowns down of trusting our own skills and abilities, of not following deeper into the roads of discovery within ourselves that you have laid and invited us to, we pray that you receive our repentance and give us your Holy Spirit to transform us to people who are trustworthy, trusting and obedient. In Jesus' name, amen.